Welcome everyone to an incredibly special episode of Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast, because today we are celebrating the season one finale with the Charlie Bushnell, aka Luke. This episode will have spoilers for the entirety of season one of Percy Jackson and the Olympians and Loki, all five books of the first series. So if you don't want spoilers, turn back now. Otherwise, stick around. Enjoy. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. Very excited Charlie, to be here. Charlie, you're the <laughs> man, so dude. Excited. You're the man. We <laughs> just had an interview with one of the staff writers the other day, who, by the way, her name is Daphne. She said she hasn't gotten to meet you in person, but she said to tell you that she is the Luke understander <laughs> and defender in the writer's room. Fellow Lukeologist. We love to hear. Yes, yes. Okay, Charlie knows we're Luke apologists. <laughs> Listening. Although everybody has now seen the episode, so I think we're going to switch officially from being Luke apologists to Luke understanders. Luke understanders. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that because I was thinking about that. Yeah, I don't know if it might be like half and half, but I don't know if people will necessarily see Luke as like the villain. Per se. I agree. I don't think they will. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of the finale scene, but first we have some like, let's just talk a little bit about Luke. Let's talk about you as an actor. Tell us about auditioning for this part, because I remember very distinctly when the Percy's were first submitting self-tapes, they were submitting like pages from the books, because obviously the books are in first person. So what was your audition like? Like what kind of scene did they give you to read for Luke? Yeah, so my audition. I have a whole story about this. It was, I remember it was um, an extremely stressful week at school, 11th grade. Um, and I remember I just had like so many essays doing like a test and everything. And then I saw that uh, yeah. an audition came in from my team. And I was like, oh man, like, I don't even know if I can do this. Like I've, <laughs> but then I opened it and it said Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And so I was like, okay, I'm dropping everything else. And this is obviously taking top priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was the scene in episode three. When I give Percy the shoes, that was my audition. Oh wow! Um, there was actually there was actually a lot more in that scene when I auditioned for it than what you actually see in the episode. Lou kind of goes more into depth about like his quest and kind of right. how he was like set up to fail and like his his backstory a little bit more. That was really fun to explore. So I did the initial audition. I sent I sent in the tape, and then I think like a week later, they had me do another tape with some notes. Um, and I sent that in and, you know, I was, and then, and then I think like a month or a month and a half went by and I didn't hear anything. Yeah. So I was wow. just like, okay, as an actor, you kind of just have to like brush it off your shoulder, like just forget Emotionally about Emotionally separate from it. Yeah. Cause if you get too attached and it's just going to drive, you're just going to drive yourself. Yeah. You're going to go nuts. So yeah, I, I was like, I was bummed. I was like, man, that would have been fun. Like definitely would have been fun to work on Percy Jackson, but. I don't think it's happening. But then one day, like I just I get a call from my team, and they're like, "Oh, uh, James Bobin and Dan Schatz and Jonathan Steinberg, like they they want to meet with you. They want to do a Zoom call." The big three. Like, oh, the big three, yeah. And I was like, "Oh man, okay." Like I did not see this coming, but let's let's do it. And so I hop on a Zoom call with them for like twenty minutes, maybe, and we do the scene a couple times, and they give me notes, and we just talk about Percy as a whole and Luke. Mm-hmm as a character and his art and all that. And then they were like, all right, thank you so much, Charlie. And, and, uh, and then a few days went by and I was at school once again. And, uh, I get a text from my team and they're just like, Charlie, we need to hop on the phone right now. And I was actually (laughs) in the running for another thing at this point. 
Mm. I was really hoping this was good news about Percy, even though it was cool to get the other thing also, but I was like, please let this be about Percy. Uh, oh yeah. And then, yeah. So I, I talked to my math teacher. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to like go get on a call. And <laughs> he understood, but I, I hop on the phone and they're like, you're going to Vancouver. You got the role. So, yeah I, that was so much fun and uh, I definitely cannot focus for the rest of the day at school oh my god <laughs> I am so happy for you I hope everybody enjoyed that and like felt the joy that I felt hearing that story just now it was like we were there so because the books are in Percy's perspective we've spoken about this with Daphne about how much filling in there is to do of the other characters there's like so much backstory to be put in, so much motivation, so much just characterization because in the books we're seeing everyone through Percy's perspective and in the show we don't have to be limited like that. And Luke might be the character who we have to build out like the most using the books as the original text. I've heard that there's an acting coach on set who everybody really loved who was giving out binders with like mythological information. Yeah, I don't know if you were (laughs) a recipient of a binder, but how much of that conversation happened like before you started filming? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely received a binder, like my first day <laughs> full of everything to do with Luke and Greek mythology and just Percy. There was like a whole like summary of like each chapter in, in there, like from The Lightning Thief. Yeah, Andrew McIlroy, our, our acting teacher, he was he's just like the best, probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. His his intelligence is just like on another level. Wow. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And he really like we we would have deep, deep conversations, like all of us just about our characters and how they contribute to the story. And so that was amazing. We could not have done it without him. But yeah, I mean, also just just reading the books, obviously, like Rick, even though it is told in Percy's perspective, it's like his POV. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rick really beautifully laid out like Luke's backstory, especially in like the later books, we learn more yeah. about Luke's history and like why he kind of ends up doing what he does. Right. And so I was able to pull a lot from that as well and just doing my own research online. I mean, I didn't even realize that Percy Jackson podcasts existed <laughs> until done with most of my filming. But once I did, like me and my mom, we've we've been listening. We've been listening. So, really <laughs> so yeah. Nicole, we love you, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's in another room. Nicole is welcome anytime. Literally, we would, we would love to talk to her more. But I love you guys so much. She's oh. such a fan. So am I. Oh, we're a fan of her. <laughs> Speaking of research, are there any antagonists or like anti-heroes that you really love that maybe inspired your work that you loved before you booked this part or that you really like kind of looked to after booking the role? Yeah, definitely. Even like Anakin Skywalker, you know? <laughs> oh my nah. God. Oh boy. Makes sense. Parallels there are pretty <laughs> insane. Like they have, when you think about it, they have very similar stories actually. Oh, yeah. And so definitely Anakin Skywalker and like Killmonger from For Black sure. Panther. <laughs> yes, Charlie. Yes. And I think what we all have in common as characters like Luke, Anakin, Killmonger, they all just kind of like took a step back and like really looked at how things were being run. And we're just mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, this doesn't, something, something's off here, you know? Like they weren't just like following the herd, you know? Yeah. Just like questioning how things are being run, which I think is important, right. you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. Which is so interesting because isn't that also what Percy does? Like that is what makes these two characters so interesting in relation to one another, that they both have this inherent ability to look at 
the world around them and say, this isn't right. This isn't just, yeah. but how they go about attacking that ends up being so different. <laughs> yeah. And I think that kind of leads us into another question we had for you about the, the relationship between like the political and the personal for Luke. Like he seems to, especially in this really delightful reworking of the of the finale and the last confrontation between Luke and Percy have this this like dual track thing where he is both talking a lot about parentage and how Percy and Luke should feel about their their fathers and what went wrong there as as parents but then also has this level of being like you've seen the world like you you know that things aren't right and that like the gods have made a lot of mistakes that affect a lot of people and and I was wondering how how you think about the way that Luke's story marries those two things and how like the way that they they intermingle in the way that you thought about playing the character. I think a lot of it definitely has to do with uh, Luke's personal experience from his dad and his his feelings towards his father, and I think that definitely clouds his judgment a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, but to be fair, like in my opinion, Luke's feelings towards the gods as a whole are completely justified. I mean, even. Mm-hmm. In episode four, which dropped like this week, the fact that Athena let the Chimera into like her temple. Yeah, yeah. Athena's canceled. The <laughs> truth is they're not the best parents, you know? They're not. Mm-hmm. I, so I think Luke is completely justified in how he's feeling. I don't know if he his actions were necessarily justified. But yeah, no, I definitely think uh, his personal beef with Hermes had a lot to yeah. do with it. I think he just felt his whole life, he felt abandoned and alone. And I think all he wanted was um, family and to be loved. Yeah. And I think even when he like asked for Hermes' help, like he was never there. Mm-hmm. And obviously his mom went mad. And so he just felt so alone his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think he just, he finally found that with like Thalia and Annabeth when they met up and mm-hmm. and then Thalia was taken from him. And so he, every mm-hmm. everything in Luke's being was just like, Mm-hmm. These, this is not right. Like the the gods are not good, and so I think he truly believes that the yeah. world will just be a better place under Kronos's rule. And I think he will do whatever he can in his power to yeah. to make that happen. You know, yeah. And he's young; he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen when he lets the big bad wolf in. But I think I think it can't get much worse than what he's already experienced. You know, I think things can only get better from his personal experience. Um, and I think he believed that Percy and hopefully Annabeth, everyone would join him. You know, I think they would see what he's seeing, but yeah, our experiences have been different maybe. Uh, and so maybe he didn't take that into, into consideration. Something we've been talking about a lot um, as we've been watching the episodes and discussing them like full spoilers is like why each of these characters isn't going with Luke because his perspective, especially in the way that we've retooled the finale from the books, is so sympathetic. The way that you play him is so sympathetic. Um, so what is stopping each of these characters from going with him? And a lot of it is their relationship with their parents and the fact that their parents might have been there for them a little bit or a lot of it more than Hermes was there for Luke. But in an alternate universe, in like the Reardon verse of Madness AU, which of the characters do you think would be most likely? to go with Luke? Like who is just like on the precipice of joining and hopping on the princess Andromeda? Oh man. Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, Percy, I feel like. Totally. I think Percy, cause I, Percy, like you said earlier, like I think he also kind of questions the gods sometimes and is just mm-hmm. like, uh, something's not adding up here. And so I, I think there were many factors that went into it that made Percy not join Luke. Mm-hmm. I haven't even seen 
the stuff with Poseidon and Percy in the show. Like I, mm-hmm. I I'm, oh, wow. I'm only up to episode, but um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that interaction was like in the show, but I think maybe just the fact, like, I think Percy was still holding on to hope. And I think also Annabeth keeping him in check because Annabeth, she's very uh, dutiful to the gods. Yeah. I think if Percy, like, maybe, I think if him and Luke had more time to really, like, discuss things and, like, Luke kind of showed him more of the road. Like, I think think it's possible that Percy would have, would have crossed over with Luke. I think there could have been a good chance of that if Percy, like, stayed at Camp Half-Blood. For sure. Yeah. The way that they cut in the um like the sword training scene between like um Luke and Percy into the finale was so good. I think like especially if you like hadn't read the books, I feel like I would have really been like, wow, Percy is Percy's gonna say yes. Like <laughs> he and Luke have this whole like moment where where Luke is like, Do you understand that things aren't fair? And Percy's kind of like, yeah, things aren't fair. Um, and you you played that so so um nicely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, it was cool. Yeah, I, I actually did see a little bit of that scene when um I was doing ADR. Doesn't mm. it, doesn't it like cut from that to like the Ares fight? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, I haven't done enough character analysis on Percy, but <laughs> I think also just that line in the prophecy though, like you will be betrayed by one who calls you a friend. Mm-hmm. The fact that Percy in that moment figures out that's what that line is about. Mm-hmm. Luke is that person. And I don't know, isn't Percy's fatal flaw is loyalty, right? Yep. Maybe in that moment, he's like, oh my God, like, he's not my friend. Like, I've, yeah. what's going on here? Like, I think he was just yeah. like, taking aback me. Um, yeah. and so, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. When we were speaking with Daphne, we were like, I don't think Luke's fatal flaw ever is explicitly mentioned. Mm. Was that something in your binder? It wasn't, no. We were kind of like, hubris is the most obvious answer like the fact that it would be the same as annabeth's almost makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. but that it manifests in very different ways i don't know yeah that's a good question i don't know i don't know you yeah what do you yeah like you guys (laughs) wow we'll have to mill on this collectively (laughs) definitely yeah i I need to think about that i'm not sure that was not in the binder unfortunately fatal um, flaws is more of a season two thing so i feel like we can talk about this when season two is over you know yeah for sure i'm looking i'm looking forward to it (laughs) i think our primary reaction watching the finale was like wow this feels primed from the get-go like we saw like notes of like the laid-back like warm but not like super warm performance in the earlier episodes teeing up so well into your performance in the finale of being able to give that extra judge of like Percy I really care like I I'm like invested you need to come with me and we were wondering like more broadly like how you reacted when you first saw those finale pages and the differences from the books and like how how you tried to think about like the way that that moment like is impacting all of the other scenes that you have yeah definitely I yeah, reading the finale, I was definitely uh, a little nervous reading it, I guess, just because I know how how big of a moment that is in mm-hmm. the books with like the scorpion and all that. And so reading it, I was like, oh, man, like uh, the, the diehard fans of the books, like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to feel about this. <laughs> I think it like for a TV show, I think the change works. Yeah, because also in the book, Luke is like, "Oh, you're, there's a new golden age. Like, you're not going to be a part of it." But in the show, he's trying to recruit Percy in this moment. He's like, "Yeah, come over to my side. Like, we we can do this together." Yeah, which I think can make people more empathetic towards Luke mm-hmm. and show more understanding of Luke and why why he's doing this. Uh, but also, like, I think just like the sword fight too. Like, it's it's just more cinematic. Like, it it works better cinematically, and it's more exciting. I think than just like 
a scorpion appearing. Um, <laughs> oh my god! What was it like the first time you held backbiter in your hand? Oh man, it was so cool. So cool. I actually have I have one at my house. <laughs> I would have done it too. I would have taken it too. <laughs> no, I didn't even I didn't even take it. Walker, I just got something in the mail one day, and it was from Walker. Walker he, took it. Wow. He took a lot of things from set. That <laughs> tracks with what he said on the press tour about stealing things from set. Yeah, no, but that was one of them, and he sent and he sent it to me. So forever grateful to Walker for that. Happy birthday, Walker! It's January fifth today. Walker's day. Walker's the best. I love Walker. But yeah, holding backbiter was amazing, and they actually had like a real. They have like a metal, like a full on like so like it's a true like sword, of, like oh, metal sorry. versions oh, that could be like lethal. And so me and Walker, we actually did a little like photo shoot with a, not a, not a full on one, but like when we wrapped that final episode, we, we, we definitely have some photos of us like doing some poses with the sword. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's awesome. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to ask a little bit more about the stunt training. I'm a huge, huge nerd for stunt training. And I'm curious, like, okay, so for that scene that we see in the finale, I think our listeners really are enjoying as we're talking about the TV show, like learning more about the craft of television and like what goes into making something like this. So like how many days of rehearsal did you have for like that sequence basically? Um, Yeah. For that sequence specifically, we basically filmed the training scene as well. Oh yeah. 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 We filmed that kind of not back to back, but like we filmed that like a day or two before starting the final scene. We, we were kind of learning those like simultaneously, like me and Walker were learning those fights like at the same time. And that makes so much sense. Yeah. And I actually, I actually remember we filmed that in uh, December of 2022. And I remember I was so sick, actually. Like I got so, I started feeling sick on the plane to Vancouver. And I was like, oh, oh God, this is not good. Um, and I just <laughs> like, okay. I literally like emailed them and I was like, I just need like a day or two to like recover. And luckily I started feeling, I just like took all the vitamin C packs, or whatever, <laughs> all, all the immunity boosters. But then, yeah, I just got like straight into training. Definitely felt a little fatigued in the beginning, but uh, yeah, the stunt team is incredible. It was so much fun working with them. I have some really cool, like behind the scenes uh, footage of us training with Walker and stuff. And I think we actually have a, I think there's a video of us like, doing that final fight to like the pirates of the caribbean music um <laughs> oh yeah that's gonna have to get released on the percy series instagram yeah. or i'll post that one so it'll be out there at some point um but that was so much fun and yeah the stunt team is like incredible and they're such amazing yeah. talented people and couldn't have done it without them obviously they made us look great I have a silly question for you regarding sword fighting because I just want to talk about sword fighting. Um, what what do you think Luke is blasting on Bluetooth speaker in the sword fighting arena when he's like training or teaching class? Like, what do you think is his go-to like gym song? Oh my God. Oh, that's a good question. Well, one song that I listened to like for Luke to kind of get in the headspace was um, yeah. Swan Lake Opus 20 Act 2. Oh, which you guys, wow. That good, good Tchaikovsky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't know why, but I, I feel like it really just kind of got me in the headspace. And I feel like it perfectly fits Luke's like inner dialogue, I guess. That's amazing. I could see him blasting Tchaikovsky in yeah. the sword fighting arena. Yeah, some like classical stuff. I don't know. Some like some very dramatic like classical music, maybe. Yeah. Or Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> 
in there. He's a big fan of those movies. Uh, that's where actually yeah. he learned all his sword fighting skills. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's canon now, I guess. <laughs> no, we, we made it canon. Uh, but uh, I, I gotta, I gotta think more on that. But um, for now, oh my gosh, you should release a a Luke playlist. Yeah, <laughs> that would go so hard. <laughs> I know I got I got to put together like a whole playlist because I only have like a few songs that I would listen to to sort of kind of get in the mood. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll try I'll try and like for season two I'll definitely oh fingers crossed hopefully I'll yeah. put together a whole, a whole playlist. By the time this episode drops, literally, if there is if there is a god, if there's a Lin Manuel Miranda, like we'll get the renewal news by now. But uh... no, that's just, that's just like the whole the whole every season. The whole season plus five movies for Heroes of Olympus. Exactly. <laughs> okay, we have a last question for you. And also with a little personal addition, like I think a reason why I really enjoyed these books, even subconsciously growing up, is because of the half-blood of it all. And in like mixed identity literature, there's often this theme of like straddling two worlds or like being a part of multiple identities, multiple cultures. Yeah maybe not fitting into any of those places or maybe fitting into all of them and being like the person who is gonna thinks they're going to be able to unite all of those things together. I was obviously super excited when you got cast in this part because Luke is one of my favorite roles <laughs> um, for so many reasons. How does it feel to bring yourself and Charlie mm -hmm. into the role of Luke? Yeah, no, it, it feels good. I, I once had an acting teacher that said that you kind of have to bring a little bit of yourself into every role you play that's one thing that i really respect about rick's decision to like he he really just he looked beyond the physical he looked beyond just physical appearance and like when i got the audition for luke like it, it didn't have any uh physical description of the character it's just like the audition came in and it like told us who luke was but it didn't say like what he looks like or this or that or, you know and so i think i i, I really i really respect that he kind of just chose who who he believed, you know, brought like the essence and the soul of the character to life. And that's man, what, what, what matters the most, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Charlie, you freaking rock. We <laughs> are so excited. Thank you so much. For Thank you. five seasons knocking on yes. wood. It's going to happen. Thank you so much for, for ending your press day with us. Thank you so much for having me. I had, I had such a good time talking to you guys. Thank you. Please tell your mom she's welcome on Seaweed Brain anytime. <laughs> so, so, yes, she'll be very happy to do that. Thank you guys so much. Thanks so much. Good talking to you. Have a good night. Bye.